Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Go to James chapter 3. We're talking about the language of faith. We're in a series. This is actually the uh, 12th or 13th or something part. (laughs) It kind of stretched out because we had some Sundays in here where I wasn't able to teach or the Spirit of God moved and we we did... uh, we followed him, and so it stretches out sometimes what the plan is, but that's okay, amen? Um, one of the things Brother Hagan prophesied right before he went home to be with the Lord in 2003 is that he made the statement, he said, we are a word church, but we are also a Holy Spirit church, and we must have both, amen? We must have both. We must have God's word, of course, it's our anchor in the spirit. But we must have the move of God as well. We must have the spirit of God as well. So uh, we're, 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 nev- we're always endeavoring to keep that balance around here and keep moving forward. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's one of our goals and we stick to it. And uh, God's doing some great stuff. We're very thankful. And uh, he'll continue to do so and multiply what he's doing in this area through those that are following him. James chapter 3, verse number 2 says this in the Mirror Bible. It says, It is a common habit to descend from a higher place of faith to a lower of the senses, especially in conversation. However, if you want to be in perfect charge of your whole person, the best place to begin is to take charge of your tongue. We're talking about the language of faith. In this series, we've talked about how faith comes, that it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've talked about whatever you fill up in your heart will come out of your mouth. We've talked about the fact that the power of life and death is in the tongue. We talked about the fact that if you will not hear the word, it actually won't get into you. We look back into the gospels where Jesus looked at the religious leaders of his day and he said, my word has no place in you. So if I'm gonna have the faith of God concerning my situations, I have to have what? The word of God concerning my situations. And in order to have the word of God, I have to unplug these tiny little ears that my dad genetically gave me. <laughs> some, of you, some of you need to laugh and wake up a little bit, <laughs> surprisingly. The earwax has to be... Right? And I have to open myself up to hear concerning what God said about my situation. Now listen to me carefully because I want to rock your boat. I want to disrupt you. How many know Jesus preached things that disrupted people? He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people go, we don't want to be a part of this church. And 5,000 left that day. Jesus is so confident in who he is that he actually will turn to the very disciples that God had him handpick and look at them and say, do you want to leave too? We do not serve a weak, spineless. Come on, God, Jesus does not have a wet noodle for a spine. He knows who he is. We are not following a, a leader who has not walked through the realms of every sphere in the spirit and the natural and conquered every level of it. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the beginning and the end. He is the soon coming king. He is not wondering, what am I going to do about the devil? He looks down and says, I wrote it in the book. I've already disarmed him. 
Woo. Big Jesus. Come on, how many have seen the picture of Jesus and the devil arm wrestling? You ever seen that before? The tension is on. No, 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 no. It's already over. Lucifer doesn't have enough sense to know he's already defeated. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It will not happen. It cannot happen. People say, well, I know brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, and they went to heaven early. The devil still did not prevail. Let me give you a revelation that Paul gave us. One of these days, a sound is going to come out of heaven. It will be like a trumpet, and those that have left early will unite with their body, bam, in the air, and the devil will go, I thought we killed them. I'm practicing. (laughs) There is power in what we say. And we need to connect our tongue to our spirit, the resurrected spirit within us. We need to have his words in our mouth. Speaking them over ourselves, but then over every situation around us. This is not some sort of weird, magical manipulation. This is a spiritual reality that Jesus set into motion. He said, whoever shall say unto this mountain. This is not trickery or magicians. This is not witchcraft or cauldrons or trying to manipulate people or things around us in the sense of like we're some sort of weird cultish thing. It's simply acting upon what Jesus said. The very one who said he gave his life for us, that he came, that he was crucified, was buried and resurrected. The very one who said, when you see me, you see the Father said, you better watch what you say because your words have power. Be aware of what you say concerning you, concerning your situation. Put my words in your mouth and let me work in your situation. See, sometimes we don't realize this. We get confused. We get too caught up as even the prophetic word that was given. We get too caught up in what we see around us and we forget about what was been presented before us in the resurrection of Christ, the seated place that we know of in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 6. We get too caught up in speaking what's going on around us. Our language is attached to the news media. Our language is attached to what the doctor said. Our language is attached to what the educators say, the professionals, the really smart ones. If you're so smart, you're smarter than Jesus, then I have a problem. You are not, I am, we are not smarter than our creator. I'm not saying that doctors, all doctors are evil. I'm not saying all politicians are evil, but it might be close. I'm not saying that all educators are evil. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying we need to take everything that's being said back to what he said. And as we're walking through this life in the valley of the shadow of death, we are not fearing any evil and we're putting this in our language. We're putting this in our mouth. We're putting this in our tongue. And what you can't see is, but when it's spoken from a heart of faith, in the spirit world, the darkness is going, get out of the way. Get out of the way. The one is speaking that has conquered all. 
Because you're not speaking your words. You're speaking his. You're speaking his. I'm speaking his. James chapter 3 verse number 5 says this. The Spirit of God says through James, Even so the tongue is a little member but boasts of great things. See how great a forest is uh, a little fire kindles. The Passion Translation says, And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how small a flame can set a huge forest ablaze. The message uh, says it this way, A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything. Or destroy it. Now, there are things you should destroy in your life, and they're the works of the enemy. How many know it's not your relatives that you should destroy? Your battle and my battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the unseen forces, and people say, but I don't see them. But if you would know this word, you would see them. If you would immerse yourself, if you would roll around in, if you would become infatuated with, if you would just read for hours this book, you would find the difference between light and darkness. It goes on to say in the message, it only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. We saw in previous verses, which we won't go back to right now, a, horse and a, horse, a horse's bit is small compared to the size of its body. A ship's rudder is small compared to the entire ship. The human tongue is small in comparison to the great things it boasts of. The results are out of proportion to the size of the agent producing them. The contrast between the small and great continues. A small match or even a spark can ignite an entire forest into a huge fire. Do you see the illustration that Paul or that James is giving by the Holy Spirit concerning the power of what we say? The tongue can unleash uncontrollable forces into the world and destroy whole areas of the society. This battle of language and words has been going on since Genesis chapter 3. Did God say? And our response is, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> Smokey but the bear would say, only you. I thought, thank you, Holy Ghost, that's good. You, you, that's going to stick with them. I know it is. Those who refuse to control their words are playing with fire and will get burnt. But if you control your tongue and speak heaven, you'll be healed. Thankfully, we can always turn our ship. We can always re-steer the horse. People say, my horse is out of control. Well, we learned that a horse is controlled by its head. And if a horse is running off with you, all you have to do is turn the head in one direction. And that horse, and you may feel like you're going in circles for a while. 
but the horse will eventually run out of steam and you'll stop. Then you need to recalibrate. Calibrate. Come on, how many have a GPS? And you turn the wrong direction. And the little British dude on there went, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to recalculate. The tongue is very small, but it can accomplish great things, both good and evil. Peter's proper use of the tongue resulted in the conversion of about 3,000 souls being added to the church in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. James has been pointing out that the, thing, the small things can have a beneficial effect. A small bit can be used in a, to guide a horse. A rudder can affect the course of a large ship. Now he goes on to show that small things can also be destructive in their effect. The word matter can refer either to a forest or stacks of lumber. Fire can either have a good or disastrous effect. How many realize that? The point here is that if the tongue is not controlled, careless or evil words, no matter how few, can produce a catastrophe. We have to control what we say by the power of God. James chapter 3, verse number 6 says, The tongue is a fire, a world, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and, it's, and it is set on fire of hell. In the Passion, it says this, and the tongue is a fire. It can be compared to the sum total of wickedness and is the most dangerous part of our human body. It corrupts the entire body and is a hellish flame. It releases a fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence. The mirror says it this way, a tongue can strike lightning and turn the harmony of your world into chaos. One little member can stain the whole body. It can disrupt the pattern of your design, taking its spark from the smoldering garbage heaps of Gehenna. Isn't that a good illustration? The garbage heap outside Jerusalem was commonly related to hell. Gehenna is the Latin word G-E-E-N-A-S. Or Gehenna is the Latin word. G-E-E-N-A-S is the Greek word used for the Hebrew Valley of Hinnom, which is modern day. I am not. It sounds like a Star Wars name. Wadi Arababi. I don't know where that is. <clears throat> it sounds like Star Wars to me. I don't. But this place was a fiery place for the disposal of waste matter from the city of Jerusalem. The valley of Hinnom lies outside of ancient Jerusalem. Thus, to slander someone is to reduce that person to rubbish. In other words, I've connected my tongue to what? Hell instead of heaven. Now, I'm not saying that if somebody's doing something wrong, you ignore it like it's not there. I'm saying you believe the best of them. Sometimes believing the best of a person is, I believe they're going to repent. Amen. Love believes the best. There was one church that had a gentleman in the church. This is an illustration I heard years ago who was what many thought was the spawn of Satan. They were... Church board was having a meeting and the pastors and they were trying to decide what to do with this gentleman and trying to find something good about everybody in the church, including this gentleman. 
who had caused so many problems. And there was a particular lady in the church who always had a positive word about somebody. Never said anything negative. And so they asked her. And they were waiting. And they thought they had her. And she said, well, brother so-and-so is the best example of what not to do. <laughs> but she didn't badmouth him. <laughs> but... What is that? That's believing the best. You know, I don't know I'd let you have my wallet, but I believe there's hope for you. The use of the tongue affects the whole body. When the tongue becomes an instrument of evil, the entire personality is stained and polluted. Jesus used a different word signifying to make ceremonially unholy. To teach the same truth when he said, that which cometh out of the mouth, this what? Defileth a man. We see that in Matthew 15, 11. The course of nature, listen to this, literally means here in James chapter 3, verse number 6, it literally means the wheel of birth. It affects the wheel of birth, the course of nature, or how things are being birthed. Or in other words, when I speak things, they're what? Birthed. Probably, it refers to the entire sphere of human existence. Philip's translation, or in his paraphrase, suggests an uncontrolled tongue makes a blazing hell of life. It makes a blazing what? Hell of life. Because the power of life and death is in the, it's in the tongue. The tongue is a fire. It sets the course where we go. It sets the course. Verse number seven. For every kind of species of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed, subdued, and has been tamed by mankind. Or by the human species. Verse 8. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of what? Deadly poison. If there were those who might claim it is impossible to control the tongue. James refers them back to the creation record. Where God indicated the four categories of creatures over which man was to have dominion. The word here translated tamed might more accurately be translated subdued. The word can include the idea of domestication. What does that tell me? That my tongue needs domesticated. Many animals ranging in size from those smaller than dogs to those as large as elephants have been domesticated and trained to serve mankind. But the word goes beyond domestication and includes the idea of domination over creatures which cannot be domesticated. Man was commanded by God to subdue the planet and take authority over every class of animal God had created and tame it. And it has to do, this word tamed is also the same word that's used in Mark 5.4 in reference to the demon-possessed man of Gadara. So what if, if, if I, if no man can tame the tongue, 
What is the solution? The power of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. People say, well, I'm just going to control myself. And there's a truth there, but you have to connect it to his resurrection. No man can tame the tongue. The tongue is not able to be tamed. The Passion Translation says it's a fickle, unrestrained evil that spews out words full of toxic poison. No human can restrain the evil in its fatal venom, is what it says in the mirror. In his own natural strength, man cannot subdue the tongue. It is only through knowledge of God's word and being doers of the word that the tongue is controlled. The longer we walk with the Lord, the easier it becomes to control the tongue. As a member of the human body, the tongue is cursed more than any other body member or even any creature on the face of the earth. No creature is directly linked to Satan in, in, uh, in the way man is, which is a consequence of the fall. The tongue can directly be linked to hellfire and Satan's control. The tongue of the serpent is considered poison in the word of God. Verse 9. Talking about, uh, James now begins to say, look, we got to clean up our tongues. He says, with it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in what? The similitude of God. The passion says we use our tongue to praise God our Father and then turn around and curse a person who is made in his very image. The mirror says we can say beautiful things about God the Father but with the same mouth curse a fellow human made in his mirror likeness. The tongue is probably more closely linked to the two natures of the believer than any other part of the human body. With one breath the tongue under the control of the Holy Spirit and human spirit can bless God. With the next breath, under the influence of the flesh, it can curse men. After praising God, it is hypocritical to curse our brothers and sisters who created, who are created in God's image. Both spiritually and physically. How can we praise God and then curse what he has made? How can we curse the same creation he sent his son to die for and redeem? As we will see, God desires that there, is a, there be a consistent flow of resurrection words coming out of our mouths toward him and his creation. As we move into verse 10, we see this, that, that James says, By the Holy Spirit, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brother, and these things ought not to be so. The tongue is an enigma. It is an indicator of what is in the heart. No man can truly bless the Lord while feeling hatred toward his brother in the Lord. Yet James had observed many in his congregation praise God, then turn around and carve others up with their tongues. James has seen the Pharisees under the control of religious zeal do the very same thing. James does not want his congregation to be taken up with a religious spirit that comes from the author of the curse itself, Satan. In one breath, James loves, watch this, and chastises his congregation. He says, my brethren, these things ought not. Do you see that? 
James is addressing a group of people who come to church, enjoy the praise and worship service, lift up their hands to bless the Lord. During the same service, they use their mouth to malign, ridicule, judge their brothers and sisters in the Lord. They are not long-suffering and patient with the faults of others in the way the Lord is long-suffering toward them. They do not realize that the Lord will deal more harshly with their sins of maligning others than the sins of those who are judging. We see this in Matthew chapter 7. James was not writing to unsaved people, but to the what? Brethren. A mixture of good and evil speaking can be expected from the natural man, but it is totally out of place for the believer. It should not happen. Verse number 11. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? The message says, a spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next, does it? When a traveler comes across a fountain of water gushing from a rock, he would expect that at one moment the water, he would not expect that at one moment the water would be sweet and suddenly find it replaced with bitter, salty, and rusty water. If this repeatedly occurred, the traveler would be shocked. This is how God feels when we first offer him praise from our mouth and then immediately backbite others in the church. Both statements are directed toward him, whether we realize it or not. James is saying nature is more consistent than some Christians. Yeah, that one hit me like that too. The people to whom James wrote understood that a, that a spring does not alternate between yielding sweet and bitter water. It was, it was either one or the other, but not both. The reason towns were not built around the Dead Sea is because springs in that region were known to yield only salty water. In man, though redeemed and regenerated, the tongue is capable of both good and evil. Because he retains his fallen nature along with his new nature. In Galatians 5.17, Paul describes the conflict between the old and new natures. While a man cannot tame his own tongue, he can turn the control over to the Holy Spirit. When he does this, the Holy Spirit becomes a well of living water in his life, as we've seen, as we've seen in John 7, 37 and 38. When the believer quenches the Spirit, the bitterness of his fallen nature expresses itself. So we need to attach our tongue to what? One source. And finally, as we wrap up, verse 12. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt and fresh water. The message says apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? The mirror says, as impossible as it is for a fig tree to bear olives and a vine to produce figs, so a fountain cannot yield salt and fresh water from the same source. Just as it is not the nature of the fig tree to bear olives, nor of the vine to bear figs, it is not the nature of the regenerate spirit to speak evil. 
Whichever nature man allows to dominate his life, the old or the new, determines what his speech or her speech will be. This is why it is important to be filled with the Spirit continually. Have you ever been in a situation where, have you ever said this? I don't know what to say. And then you start frantically searching the gray matter up here, trying to figure out what to say. I heard uh, this years ago, uh, when I was in Bible college, there were a group of ministers riding to a meeting, and uh, they were all excited to go to this meeting, and they were headed over there, and... uh, One minister piped up and said, I know the answer to every single question. And the other ministers, you know, if you've ever been around ministers, it's interesting. So anyway, (laughs) it's fun. The other ministers are like, oh, you know, and they're razzing each other. And he, he very calmly, this minister said this, oftentimes the answer is, I don't know but I do have an answer. (laughs) You say, what has that got to do with what you're saying? Connect your tongue to your spirit. And people say, well, how do I know if it's connected to my spirit? It'll be connected here. Well, I just don't know what to say. Well, they're pressuring me. Practice what Jesus did with the woman caught in adultery. Find you some dirt. You know, when people say, I think he was right in their sins. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. There's no way you can say one way or the other. I think he was probably like, you know, tic-tac-toe anybody? <laughs> These religious people are driving me. No. I am we need to do something to get our mind off of what they're doing. <laughs> In other words, let's practice connecting to our spirits with our tongues. Now guys, listen to me. About everything this book addresses. Now, you say, why do you say that? Because there are areas of our life where we know to, to, to attach to it. But there are things in the book and truths about Christ and who you are and your covenant that you don't know yet still. So people will do this. They'll attach their tongue to their eternity and forget about the graces provided for right now. They're faced with a medical situation where the doctor says, there's no hope. And they don't go and attach their tongue to what Jesus said. They attach it to, or they attach it to a portion of what Jesus said. You say, what do you mean by that? They say, well, if I'm going to die, at least I know where I'm going. That's good. I'm glad you know that. But did you know that God desires that you be satisfied with long life and that he also put within the covenant by his stripes, you were healed. 
People say, well, I don't know if I understand that. Then get in the book. Look, read through the Gospels and watch how Jesus handled sickness. Well, the doctor says that I'm going to be crazy in my head the rest of my life, that I have to be attached to this medication forever. We're not against medications. If you need to take them, take them. But find where he went to the people that were struggling with mental health and see what he did and begin to extend your heart out in faith, opening up the trust of your being to the maker of all things who can look inside the electrical makeup of the gray matter inside your head and go, we just need a little bit of a tweak right there. And begin to attach your Tongue to. <laughs> Come on. I felt that revelation go all the way through me. Let's practice this. Why don't we stand? We need to say this. Now, after the service, if you don't know Jesus, you need him. And I'll just put it to you like this. It's a life or death situation. It's an eternal situation. So if you don't, don't leave this place without him. If you need to rededicate your life to him, you say, what do you mean? You just, you just wandering around like Jesus is my homeboy, but he ain't my Lord. You know, people treat Jesus like they're their sugar daddy. You know, you know what I mean by that? They just go to him when they need something. He's not their Lord. He, they, you know, I want to be, to. this is my goal with Jesus. I want Jesus to think, man, I got I to gotta find somebody to do something. And he goes, Sean will do it. <laughs> Not a lot of Christians live there. They're more like, man, I need something. I better find Jesus. Where's he at? We have altar workers up here that will be able to pray with you if you need prayer for healing, any of that stuff. If you need salvation, rededication, you baptize in the Holy Spirit, you don't pray in other tongues, you need it, come get it. People say, that's, that's not a very theological teacher. I'll theologically teach you later. Just come get it. And they can help you. We pray in tongues around here a lot. Paul said, people say, well, you know, Paul said, you know, it'd be better to speak five words in English in a public setting. Well, you notice I haven't prayed in tongues a lot up here. We agree with that. But he also said, forbid not speaking with tongues. So I don't forbid it. I could say something there. I'm not going to, I'm going to move on. Let's say this, say this out loud. Because of Jesus, my situation is not hopeless even though I've been given hopeless reports my situation is not hopeless for greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world my savior said all things are possible with God and all things are possible 
to him who believes. I don't have to stay the same. Come on, you don't have to stay the same. You were saved by grace through, and that will continue by grace through. So connect your tongue to your spirit. Connect it to the word of God. Don't let pride, flesh, human opinion, ways of thinking of others. Don't let the words of man outside the realm of your covenant determine what you're going to be. Let God, the maker, creator of all things, determine who you are and who you're going to be. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.